You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. All right, we're back with part two of our podcast focused on the health policy seesaw, drug prices, democratic primaries, and polling data. So Alex, notwithstanding that the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare remains the the law of the land, the president, obviously efforts to repeal failed, but the president has tremendous regulatory power and the administration has used that power to change the landscape. First of all, you've actually been in the the rooms talking about those issues and talking about how to use that power. I'm wondering if you could, from your time in the White House, shed a little light for us on how those discussions go. How do they progress? Who's involved in them? And and talk to us about what, what the experience was like being inside the White House working on the most important issue, according to voters facing the country. So it was, it was definitely an interesting experience um, in terms of um, what you're, you're talking about, the, the regulatory authority that the president has um, and the agencies have. I mean, there's, there's a tension for Republicans especially who don't really think it's the place of the administration, um, it's the place of Congress to, to legislate things. Um, you know, there's a tension between all of the things that they can do and all of the things they think they should do constitutionally. But there have been a lot of things that the administration has done already just to um, try to provide relief for people outside of the Affordable Care Act. Um, a lot of times the people we're, we're most concerned about is, is, a, is actually a very small percentage of people who are on the exchange plans. Um, but a lot of those people, at least um, the president's constituents throughout the country, were having a lot of trouble as their Obamacare premiums kept going up. So they, the president, the, the White House put out an executive order um, two years ago on health care choice and competition and instructed the agencies to look at some different kind of relief valves from the ACA. And so they they instructed HHS and Treasury and Labor to look at a few different options around short-term limited duration plans and association health plans and health re- reimbursement arrangements. So we've seen regulations come through there. Um, these are helpful to some people, not to all people, but those are some things administratively that have been done in that area. Um, now they're looking to, they kind of have put out their next executive order, um, the next kind of roadmap for what's to come on transparency and hospitals and insurers. Um, well, the White House is asking the HHS to ask hospitals and insurers to be more transparent with their prices through regulations. And so we're expecting to see a lot of that come out in the next next several weeks. Great. And Alex, give us some more flavor <laughs> of I want to I want to hear stories. Give us <laughs> give us some more flavor. I mean, look, this is a huge issue and you were in the room. What were you Alex in the room when <laughs> the president in his infinite great wisdom or however he called it 
when he declared that healthcare was complicated? I actually was. <laughs> so um, how how did did you agree with him? <laughs> I mean, healthcare is complicated. <laughs> um, we we were that, having. That's um, pretty cool, though. It's pretty <laughs> cool to be in the room when the president when the light bulb goes off and he realizes, well, this healthcare stuff is complicated. I'm like incredibly conscious that any of my colleagues or former colleagues could listen to this thing. So I'm <laughs> being really careful, but um, yeah, we were having um, a round table with um, a bunch of healthcare executives so he could hear what, what was on their minds. And as they started walking through some of the intricacies of what was going on for their associations and for their companies, he said, healthcare is really complicated. Um, and then he asked if they might consider, I think the state of the union was maybe two nights later or the next night, he said, would you guys take a crack at what I should say on healthcare? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not done yet. And um, then Secretary Price said, we're not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> it's okay. But, Look, it's, it, you know what? I'm going to defend him. It is complicated. And the <laughs> Mark, I can see Mark now for our listeners and he just rolled his eyes, <laughs> but it is complicated. Of course it's complicated. And the average person doesn't understand what any of this terminology means. They don't know. They don't care. Agreed. They don't care about the Texas court case, Mark. They don't care about short term, limited, whatever. They don't care. They want to know how much it's going to cost them and what coverage are they going to have. And, and, and they so should to, be more more worried if the president said healthcare is easy. I've got this. Well, right. He he has said that as well. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the specific steps that the president has taken because they have been a rollback of some ACA protections and and programs. And yes, he is. Uh, famously happy to be sued. Uh, a lot of it is still in the courts. But one one handle that people for sure care a lot about is pre-existing conditions. And that was a big idea in the uh, 2018 election. The president uh, keeps saying that you that you, I think he actually said, literally, you can keep your pre-existing condition, which is kind of a, a medical statement. I, mean, I think he means than, the opposite when he's. I, I, yeah, I <laughs> I think he may have meant the opposite exactly, but but the thirteen thirty two waiver, Alex, without getting too deep into the weeds, that allowed the states to um, issue policies without protection for pre-existing conditions is something that the Democrats are trying to force a vote on in, in the Senate. So it, it isn't as simple as saying that the administration um, is trying to improve the ACA. The administration continues to try to erode the, the ACA. And Maybe, Howard, people don't care about the Texas case until somebody uh, declares that uh, the insurance they have has gone away. Then they will care. I think it'd be hard at this point, Mark, for anyone to say the Affordable Care Act is is working. Um, I mean, there was a 
I'll give you that it's a big accomplishment of Obamacare and President Obama that now everyone wants to hold on to protecting people with pre-existing conditions. That, you know, that was talked about a lot during the ACA debate, and it's a big part of it. And now that's everyone's position. So that's that's something. But the ACA is still not working. So it's not the administration. They would say it's not our role to find ways to beef it up. Um, they're looking for ways for people who can't afford insurance to give them options and for states to let them govern their own health insurance markets like they always have. But states, for the most part, also want to protect people with pre-existing conditions. It's just they should be able to do that and make those decisions based on the circumstances they have. Well, the ACA is, as we all know, 2,000 pages, and some of it is working and some of it isn't working. And the um, Democrats' position, the the moderate Democrats' position is let's fix it, which is not something that the Republicans um, in the in the Senate or in the House when they were in charge have been willing to do. Because so I think the it's only little... ways to fix it are to throw even more money at it. So whose taxes are you raising to do that? Where well, where are you pulling the money from? What well, are the fixes? Why are we repealing Medicaid expansion? Medicaid expansion? Um, because yeah. You, know, you guys they, tried to repeal it 117 times and ultimately failed by one vote when John McCain turned thumbs down. If the case that the uh, Trump administration refuses to defend succeeds in invalidating the Affordable Care Act, millions of people who were put on the uh, Medicaid rolls under the ACA in states that elected, elected as you say, to offer Medicaid expansion, they're they're going to be dumped back uh, into the pool of the uninsured. Why is that good? Um, well, first of all, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it became really clear during the the debates about repeal and replace that the states that decided to expand aren't going to they don't want to take these people off their Medicaid rolls. But with the Trump administration, what they would say they're focused on is helping people pull themselves out of poverty. And so they're not looking to brag about the number of people that we have on government assistance programs. We want to help people find jobs and they want to help people get out of these programs. And so Medicaid expansion, um, while it is good for some people, you know, people with chronic conditions and who really can't find work, it's it's the program has become very bloated and there's a lot of there's a lot of fraud waste and abuse in it there's a whole hearing on this tomorrow at the Senate Finance Committee a lot of times i think that's a talking point but for medicaid expansion it's very real the bar to to figuring out who's eligible and who's not is pretty low well i think we're going to degenerate into democrat and republican talking points <laughs> if if we're going to hear about fraud and abuse in the, so, the medicaid program so Let's go, let's go back to drug pricing because that's consuming a lot of the oxygen in Washington these days. And frankly, nationally, many of the states are trying to address the issue of drug pricing on a, on a state level. But certainly in Washington, you've got an administration plan. You've got 
a bipartisan plan in the Senate Finance Committee. You talked about that a little bit earlier, Alex. Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi has her plan. Alex, give us an overview of what the issue's about and the key proposals that are out there, and then let's talk about it a little bit more. So in, in drug pricing, um, there's a house a house bill. It's, yeah, as Mark, Mark noted, the Elijah Cummings um bill now, but it was the Nancy Pelosi bill, um, and it's been marked up. It's been looked, it's being looked at by three committees there. Um, there are a number of policies there. The ones that are being talked about the most are requiring or requiring the HHS secretary to negotiate maximum prices for at least 25 drugs. Um, this is a big, a big policy change. Um, it's, it's something that a lot of Republicans don't like, but that the president has has said he does. Um, there's also some policies in there about pegging what the United States pays for drugs to what country other countries pay, um, which is another policy that sounds an awful lot like things that President Trump has said and would like to act on with his um, international pricing index model, um, which we've all been waiting for for over a year now. Um, in the Senate, the, there's um, a few of the, the highlights there. The bill would require drug manufacturers to reimburse Medicare if the prices increase by more than the inflation rate. Um, this is one of the policies that a lot of Republicans are concerned about because it it doesn't seem market-friendly um, to kind of put caps on prices that, that innovators um, are, are charging. Kind of not very free market friendly. Um, it would both both bills would in the House and the Senate would cap seniors out of pocket costs. Um, ultimately, I think anything that passes on drug pricing would be something very pared down from what either the House or the Senate's proposed, just because these policy changes are huge and very controversial. But so, we're still a lot of. You know, a lot of folks in the healthcare industry are concerned about them because whether or not this is going to pass, we still don't want members on record as supporting some of these policies that we view as unfavorable. Is this a is this a partisan issue, Mark? It is less partisan than than it might appear. There is a tremendous amount of agreement about the need to do something. And I think there is agreement about the kind of reforms that are necessary. I think it's a question of degree. I think the Democrats would go farther than than the Republicans. But I, I think it is less partisan than a lot of debates uh, in, in healthcare, certainly far less partisan than the ACA debate. I don't think, though, that anything will get done, and, and I'm going to come full circle to something the two of you agreed on earlier that I disagree uh, about. I think the House is going to pass the uh, Cummings bill and send it to the Senate. I don't think there's going to be time on the Senate calendar because of impeachment and because of the predicted trial for the Senate to do the hard work of taking up drug pricing this uh, this year, and then it's 2020. 
And then it gets much, much harder to do anything. And I think that impeachment, whether you're for it or against it, up, down, or sideways, I just think as a calendar matter, it has probably put an end to uh, the possibility of drug pricing uh, legislation coming out of Congress this, this term. But, but the Republicans, I think Alex and the Democrats, agree on, on two fundamental points, right? One is that there should be a cap on the out-of-pocket expense for seniors, whether it's 2000 or 3200 or pick a number. But that is a core element of both parties' approaches to this. And I think both parties agree on the principle of Medicare uh, negotiating drug prices, but then it starts to break down when, when you get into the details of how to do that. So what you're saying, Mark, is that it's complicated. I think you could say that Medicare, that drug pricing is complicated. Okay. Right. Just, just check. <laughs> right. Okay. Surprise medical billing is, Alex, another issue. We've been hearing a lot about this this year. Explain the issue and talk to us whether about whether Congress will get something done on surprise billing. Um, so surprise billing, um, yeah, that's something you've heard the president talk about, the House talk about, the Senate talk about. And it is pretty much referring, at least at least here, to a situation where you either go in to an emergency room for emergency care when you don't have an opportunity to think about, you know, what hospital you're going to or whether you're whatever provider you might see when you go into the ER as part of your insurance plan, or it refers to even a, a scheduled operation or procedure at a hospital usually where your doctors are in network, your maybe your surgeons in network, but you didn't, you didn't know this, the anesthesiologist at the same hospital that's in your network or the radiologist, they're out of network. So patients get, after the fact, very large bills that they weren't prepared for and understandably are, are very upset. And so this is, this is an issue that um, a, lot of, a lot of politicians care, care a lot about um, because a lot of constituents care about um, because it doesn't seem like common sense to allow these surprise bills to go out. And they're kind of two main solutions that have been talked about. One would set set the amount that you could that could be charged for a procedure or that a patient could have to pay um, to the in-network amount. So even if you're seeing an out-of-network doctor, they're not going to be able to um, charge you more than the in-network amount. So you're you're pegging it to an amount. And the other one would allow for a sort of arbitration process where the providers and insurers um, have a, a conversation about it and arbitrate the decision. And the insurers um, are coming out, out on one side of the issue and the providers are coming out on the other. And that is roughly where the debate is. It, it's interesting because it's less an R&D thing, Republican and Democrat thing, than it is a payor provider thing. Although the Republicans may generally trend more payor and the Democrats more provider, but this isn't really a partisan thing. It, it, is, it is a schism in the delivery system of medicine, 
where payors and providers are at odds with one another, as they often are. But I think, Alex, what's really interesting about this as you as you think about the future, something will get done on this. Maybe even now, probably not, because again, we're running out of time. But but there is enough consensus that something has to get done that some cobbled together legislation, I think, may come out not really solving the problem. What is going to solve the problem is when uh, payers become providers and providers become payers, which is the underlying direction that the healthcare industry is taking. So there's going to be a mashup of which side you're on as as providers and pay as providers take risk and become payers and payers buy providers and as all of that collides and gets mixed around in the market cauldron this this is an issue that is likely to to go away over time whatever congress decides to do one cap that's a big idea yeah (laughs) big idea uh just to to touch on one part of it um about the legislative calendar and there not being enough time. Um, one additional nice feature of the various surprise billing packages is that they save a lot of money. And there are a number of healthcare extenders that Congress is trying to find a way to fund before the end of the year, or really by the end of September. So we're a little, they're a little late already, <laughs> but um, so there might be, you could see something potentially, and I would guess more likely surprise billing than drug pricing, but something coming together um, as part of that package, because pay fors will be needed. So let's go back to the election because it's looming. It's just about a year away. And what what does all this mean for 2020? It it's tremendously detailed, and most voters do not go to the polls and think about. You know, like I said earlier, they're they're not in, they're not in the details. They just want to know. I think it fundament, fundamentally comes down to their their wallets. They want to know how much their healthcare is going to cost them, and God forbid they have some tragedy um, that they're going to be covered, or they want to know they have health coverage in the first place. Um, but how does this all kind of sort out in the context of what will undoubtedly be um, an unbelievable election cycle. Mark. You are going to hear Democrats talking about Republicans taking away your health insurance and your protection against pre-existing conditions. And that was Connor Lamb 2017. That was the 48 Uh, Democrats elected to the House in 2018. It's going to be, again, an important issue. And it's going to be, again, the Democrats talking about Republicans taking things away from voters. But having said all of that, there are so many moving parts here, like, for example, who the Democratic nominee is. Like, for example, what happens with the, the next year? The, there, 
there the decision in the courts and and you love talking about the courts i there are a lot of people who whether you think the aca was good bad or in between there are a lot of people whose lives are dependent on it and if it goes away that's that's going to be a bfd as uh, vice president biden would say Alex, what's the what's the presidential narrative? What what is Trump going to be saying out on the stump about about health care? What's his story? What's he telling voters to convince them that he cares about this this issue and that they should pull the lever for him when it comes to health care? I mean, similar to what Mark's saying, Democrats will be saying, the president will be saying, Democrats want to take away your your health care. They're going to undermine the entire Medicare program, which is already going bankrupt, double down on Obamacare by giving you Medicare for all, which will mean Medicare for none. And we're going to give you, he's going to say, you know, more options in the Medicare program. Seniors, you can rely on me not to touch your Medicare unless I'm going to give you more benefits and more options. So I expect to hear him say a lot of that. Um, he'll also he talks a lot about right to try and about about life issues that a lot of his voters and a lot of independents actually care about outside of cities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when the votes are counted, is healthcare a winning issue for the D's or the R's, and why? And and we'll close on this, Alex. I mean, I. I think it's been a winning issue for for both in the past, but or a losing issue for both in the past. But I think right now, if if Democrats keep talking about Medicare for all, Mark, whether or not they mean it, they're talking about it, um, then it's a winning issue for Republicans. Mark? Winning issue for Democrats, but a less dominant issue than it was in uh, 2018 because of everything else going on in the world. What else is going on in the world, Mark? Well, I just got back. I'm catching up, but <laughs> I, I know there have been some baseball games played, right? Yeah. Nobody can win at home. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that's true in a lot of ways. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's stop here. Uh, this has been a great discussion and uh, with, with Mark and Alex, who day in and day out, um, handle health policy issues for, for a broad array of clients here at, at Cozen. Um, they're experienced in what they do and thoughtful. And, you know, let's uh, continue the discussion as we head toward election day. There's no shortage of, of stuff to discuss when it comes to health policy. So thank you guys very much. And Mark, you and I will be back next week. Good. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Thanks Howard. Bye. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.